Welcome to this episode of the AWS Developers Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dave, and I'm here with Emily. We are talking again to Jeff Barr, VP of Evangelism at AWS. Jeff, welcome back. Happy to be back. I'm so glad to continue our conversation. <laughs> I want to, you know, we were talking about the challenges of the early days of AWS Evangelism. What are you seeing as the challenges for developers today? And how do you feel like AWS is meeting those needs? Okay, so it seems to me that developers are challenged because we, we have so many different offerings that developers need to, to pick one or pick a few, become proficient in those, and then slowly expand the repertoire. If you look at the whole set of 200 plus services, there, there's no way any normal human being can know enough about all those services to, to do something useful. It, it's far better just to pick, pick one, pick two, you use S3, use EC2, use some Lambda, get really good with those and then move forward. The, the interesting thing to me is that each of these services starts out very straightforward and very simple and our, our model of launching the, the minimum lovable product and then iterating on that very, very quickly. You look at the earliest of SQS or S3 or EC2, they were so unbelievably simple that I could explain pretty much everything in a blog post of less than a thousand words and people could get it and they could they could say, okay, this this is great. I see what it's all about. I see what problem it solves for me. I, I can take it and I can run with it right away. I, I still think the basics are there and they, they can be clearly described pretty quickly but there's a lot of richness beneath the surface. And it, it reminds me of something I used to do back when I was a, a dev. I, I can't claim to have any legit dev credentials anymore. But b back when I was writing code all the time, I would always read the entire manual once before I would, you know, back when we had printed manuals anyway, I'd always read the entire manual once and make sure wh whatever operating system, language, libraries, editor I was using, Make sure I, I would get that survey effectively of this is the entire landscape of what, what this particular element is all about. I'd use it for a while, but then I would always go back a few months in and reread the entire manual with, with the perspective of already having been a user. And the, the second or third time through the same manual, you're going to pick up so much more information about the, the more interesting keyboard shortcuts or the, the APIs that might have seemed too advanced at first glance. And... Because you've been using whatever we're talking about for some level of time, you have, you've got a, an understanding of the structure, you've got a bit of perspective on it, and then maybe you've had a mystery or two that you can then clear up that, that by that, that, that second or third read. So, so in addition to the, the standard of RTFM, which is always the case in our industry, to me, it's RRTFM of just go back and read and reread and maybe a second or third time, go, go through again. And then maybe parallel to that is... You, you have to recognize that these are dynamic services and that whatever you impression you had of it at, at the at launch point, that's just where it started. And you have to sample a couple times over the course of, of let's say, a year, get more of a, a few data points, get a, go from just a point to a vector, essentially, and say, this is where it started. This is where it's heading. This is how quickly it, it's going there. And then... Use that as, as your evaluation of the service. You, if, if you look at the first one, maybe it meets your needs, maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, you shouldn't say, oh, sorry, forget it. I'll never go back there again. You should check back from time to time or you should let us know. 
and say, hey, I, w- I would love to use new service XYZ, but it doesn't have this particular feature. Yeah, then, no, uh, I think, I mean, feedback is one of the best gifts we can possibly get. And I think, you know, for me and, and my perspective on developer relations and advocacy, that is the real value add. It's getting that sort of real-time technical feedback and being able to take it to the product teams and say, yeah. It, it is. And th- we have a lot of different ways that our teams can get us feedback. And I, I always encourage people to try to use the defined routes to do feedback. But if they can't figure out what the defined route is or if it doesn't work, I, I'm always open to to tracking down a team and getting that, that feedback directly to the team. But, um, but I, I should always be option B or C. I, I can't be the, the, the primary option because there's, there's just one of me and there's so many of everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeff doesn't scale. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I want to talk like, you know, I think a lot about community and, you know, you can group various things and there's obviously a lot of overlap, but you, you have language communities, you have sort of methodology communities. Um, how, how do you sort of think about community from an evangelism standpoint but then also, how does that tie into, you know, AWS is famous for two pizza teams, these sort of small siloed groups that that ship uh, discrete software sort of very efficiently, um, but in, in their own sort of scope. So how do you then scale that to these broader communities? Is that a challenge or how does that work? Tell me. It, it definitely is a challenge. And one thing that happens when, when I, back in those olden days, when I would go out and speak is that people expect all of us to be to somehow know every last detail of every service that we've ever launched. And that's absolutely impossible. Yeah. That hasn't been even close to possible for, I don't know, for me, at least five years, eight years. So, so it's really important just to know the fundamentals. And then if there are detailed questions to be able to refer those to the appropriate service team, I, I do think that communities are great in in that not just getting the right speakers in front of audiences, but to provide effectively a, a level of information that is a little bit more neutral. Whereas if if we go into a user group and we start to give a talk, it's primarily a positive, hey, this is amazing, this is awesome kind of a talk. If you get a community member, they're going to say, okay, I tried this out and it's mostly cool, but here's a couple of, of challenges that, that yeah. we're not necessarily in a position to be able to to grasp because we're, we're probably not using this service as much or as at the, the level that, that they are. And they're, they can, they can be, I don't want to say more objective, but they, they can give a, a different perspective on it than, than we necessarily can. One of the, one of the things that was, I mean, now, gosh, not as long as Jeff, but it'll be eight years next month that like, really, I started to take for granted. And then I was explaining for people. Um, and, and I'll, I'll phrase it a little bit like this. What is, if I said to you, I'm going to escalate this issue. If you don't work at Amazon, that can be scary. At Amazon, that's actually a process. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm curious if, if, Jeff, it was like that in the early days. And I'll give you an example. So the way that engineering teams work here are very much like startups. And their manager is one of the VCs. And what they do is they're checking in on progress on deliverables, but they manage their own deliverables. And so what's really cool about that is you're this engineer, you're going on a delivery, you don't care if other people are doing the same idea. And, and at Amazon, we have this idea that uh, uh, Jeff Bezos had said this, that I'd rather have two than none, right? <laughs> and so if two teams are working on the same thing, then they escalate and then the, the leadership decides which avenue to go in. So there's no warring. It was, I mean, back in Alexa, I would, you know, it was like, 
multiple escalations sometimes in a day, depending on you know where it was. And it's such an interesting kind of culture once you see things that way. I think that's the only way the two pizza box team works, right? Because otherwise you spend like 50% of your engineer's time in communicating and collaborating to be on the same page. Yeah, I think it's a great principle. And I really wish more organizations had something similar because it, it first it solves the problem for the customer, which I, I which is, of course, the ultimate goal. But it makes sure that leadership of, the, of that service or feature, that they are connected with their customers and that they really know who the customers are and know what the challenges are and that there, there, there's... Instead of in, in there, I've been in companies where you try to keep all the all the the low level complications somewhat hidden under the rug, and you you don't you want right. upper management has this idealized view of how awesome everything is. We are the opposite, and we we prefer that upper management have this really nitty gritty view of some some of it works, some of it's not so great. Some there's some great areas for improvement. Upper management is going to best know that via these escalations and. It's partly the escalations and partly the it's effectively a centralization within that team that says, OK, the 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 upper leadership has this this ability to see the, this perspective. Oh, people are complaining about this aspect a lot. Well, we need we need to put more more resources into adding some more features or compatibility or performance, whatever it might happen to be. If that was distributed amongst an entire team, maybe you don't ever get critical mass of understanding of that as an issue. So escalation, a, a lot of, I imagine part of what you have to do as a senior manager is you're, you're kind of an aggregator of all this information and then you're a router to make sure it gets to the right place on your team for, to be addressed. Right. Otherwise you have like one of the developers on the team is like, has the short straw and has to do all of the different reporting on current issues and status of everything. And I, I, was it early days in that Amazon AWS innovation culture, Jeff, was the whole idea of a weekly business review and a monthly business review with senior leadership? Did that take hold early on? Because, and maybe you can explain what that process is a little bit, because I think that's super critical that, and it allows leaders to kind of double click and dive deep on, on particular um, factually. Sure. So, so I, I have not actually attended either of those kind of events ever. So I, I'm really secondhand really? at, I, <laughs> wow. I, I, I have been really fortunate to be able to pick and choose the parts of the business that I really care a lot about and participate in. Yeah. And I have a follow up question for that. I will. That I, will I don't really on. know what to do yeah. with in some situations, but the, the, the weekly business review means that all of the, the leaders of the different teams get together on a weekly basis. They, they all have access to the, the latest up to the, up to the day metrics. They understand the performance of their services as far as what is the utilization, what is the growth rate, what is the, the, the revenue stream that is driving, what are the, the top customer issues. And then right. within the weekly business review, I know that some services are reviewed almost every week, but there, there's also this idea that at almost at random, some of the other services can be can be chosen and say, okay, tell me, David, how's, how is your service doing this week? And what are your top three challenges and what's your growth rate? And the expectation is as a senior leader, you are an owner and you know what's up with your with your operations. And you, you can't say, oh, that's that's some low level thing and I'm divorced from that. I'm a visionary. You need to be intimately aware of what's going on with your business. Yeah, that there's a there's a and I, I think a lot of that came from Jeff and I always say Jeff Bezos when I have Jeff Bar 
conversation. <laughs> so it's not to confuse the Jeffs for the listener, but um, when Jeff Bezos was in the early days with senior leaders was in the room, I forget, um, I think this was, I think this was shipping where there was call volume where we never wanted a customer to wait more. I think it was either 30 seconds, 10 seconds, some, some type of metric. And the, and the leader said, yes, it's all fixed. And Jeff dialed in in front of the entire S team and was put on hold and it was longer than that second. And then there was a conversation. And so it's like, you know, I feel as an advocate, and this is where I wanted to have this second part of the conversation with you. I, I think there's a big problem, even before COVID in DevRel, there's a tendency to burn out. And you are someone that's been doing DevRel now for, uh, you know, over a decade, maybe two decades, who has lasted through that. And because you're so well-known internal and external, you know, not going to these meetings, you know, when you said it made me think of this is like, that's part of it, I think, is managing your calendar. How do you, uh, like, what's your advice to advocates and maybe developers that are trying to deal with deliverables and how to manage that, but still have your pulse on what's important and what what need what kind of work needs to get done? Because I think it's a tricky line to walk. It, it certainly is. And I give the same advice to every brand new Amazonian is that you need to make sure all the different parts of your life fit together all the time. It, it's very, very easy when your job gets busy to say, well, there, there's parts of my personal life I'll just put on hold or I will neglect. And th- this gets really especially relevant when we're getting ready for reInvent. And we're, we're just about to go into super high intensity mode for reInvent. It'd be yeah. really easy for me to, to say, well, you know, I, I can't walk the dog and I can't water, water the plants and I can't take care of all my other things I take care of around the house. But what I do instead, I take care of all my regular things, but I, I actually take that same intensity that goes into reInvent prep and I put into everything else as well. And it, it, it might be two days before reInvent and I've still got 10 blog posts to get taken care of. But you know what? When I get up in the morning and I go in the kitchen and the dishwasher's fresh and clean, I make sure that dishwasher's empty because that's not a thing my wife likes to do anymore. So I take care of that dishwasher and it doesn't, I, I should be doing blog posts, right? I'm supposedly executive high level, blah, 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 whatever. But I make sure I take care of all the parts of my life at the same time and with the with the same desire to, to do a really good job at them as as whatever else I'm doing for, the, for, for work. Yeah. I, one of the things I, you taught me this trick, I stole from you. Um, so in high intensity periods of work, I did the trick and, and maybe this will be a good idea for some people is I put the out of office message on. And then the, what the out of office message did as an email buffer, both external and internal, is it allowed me to create a queue. So it told customers, like, here's the escalation for these different issues. If it's about this particular thing, funnel it here. And then here's my SLA. I'll actually <laughs> respond within this kind of time frame. And then instant messaging was invented in an enterprise <laughs> environment. And yep. then it was like, okay, we need to get back to a queue of, of how to put things um, in back in, you know, so that it wasn't. So the cues are important, but part of it, I think, is another Amazon principle is self-service. And right. I often get Wiki. random yeah, requests. <laughs> I get these random requests from some of our colleagues that say, I'm sure I could go look this up, Jeff, but you would probably know already because you've been here forever. And I sometimes right. just don't reply to those because I, I, I'm not I'm not their their database. And it'd be far better for them just to go look it up and We've got any number of internal search tools that are more efficient than than I am. And so these are things I put in my out-of-office message. It's just a, a lot of actual it, – it's effectively my 
API. You could think of it as this, this is my API doc. My out of office message just says, this is, this is the best way to work with me. And for example, we, we've got lots of instant messaging tools and nothing is worse than when one of our colleagues says, hi, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do with that? There's, there's no good response to that. And I, I simply don't, ref, don't reply to them. In fact, I used to threaten to block them, even if the, the tools didn't have a block feature. And the funny thing is they, they still took the threat seriously. <laughs> I, I, one of the things, and this is part of an Amazonian culture. And if you're, if you're in DevRel or you are a senior engineer and you're listening to this, this is a trick. I think you can use it every company, um, is you create, it's kind of your own wiki of services that you own and you provide. So I have one of them for the podcast internally. So if people want to come on the podcast, they can see it. They can see where guests are. I have it for the heroes in the community program. That was something I never did before I came to Amazon and has been a lifesaver as an advocate because it's basically showing like where, where the people can connect with you and um, kind of integrate. And exactly. That's a- I, I actually have a public FAQ. If, if you do a search oh, do really? for FAQ, you'll, you'll find a somewhat tongue in cheek document about the best way to work with me. And it, I'm gonna it's edit been very valuable channel. to have. I, in fact, I was in a Twitter conversation over the weekend and recommended to one of our colleagues that, that they set up an FAQ. Yeah, I love that idea. And then you just put it out like on my, my Twitter profile. Yeah. It's like, talk to, talk to the FAQ. Um, so what, what has got you excited that you're working on today? Like we covered a little bit of you, you know, the history and your thoughts on dev, developer relations and some tips on being productive. Like what has got you excited? And I know we're, li- we're pre-reInvent time, so I'm sure there's a ton of things that you know about at reInvent that you can't talk about yet. Uh, but what's what are you working on now that you know just puts that little skip in your step? So we just hit the 15 year mark for EC2, and for oh, a service wow. that's 15 years old, there's still an awful lot of innovation happening there. We 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 put together a, a timeline. I don't think we've actually published this just yet, but we put together a timeline of the the instance types over the years, and from a very very slow start of. We, we launched the original instance type, which was the M1 small. We didn't even have a label right. for it at first. You know, we, we had really maybe an instance or two every year or so for quite a while. And the, the pace picked up very gradually. But at the point where we launched the Nitro system a few years ago, and I remember writing about the fact that, say, say now that we have the Nitro system, it's going to allow us to launch more instance types so we can meet an ever-broadening set of customer needs. It was very, very clear as we put that timeline together just how successful we have been at launching more types of instances very, very quickly. So simply that proliferation of instances that allows us to meet customer needs, I think, is great. But the other one that really psychs me out is, or, or psychs me up is the way that we're, we're doing things like wavelength and outposts. So giving people different places to compute and Right. So this so basically everything that they already know about EC2 should still apply, but their 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 tools, their training, their operational expertise, their runbooks, all those things are going to apply in more places. So it's going to make that investment even more valuable. I remember when I um, you had me on the AWS podcast before I even did the Alexa podcast. And I was blown away. Now I use it every day. Now I use AWS workspaces every day. I don't remember mm-hmm. if it was called that back then, but you were like, Dave, check this out. And it was in your office. 
Do you remember this? And you had a whole Windows machine with Audacity. And you're like, I'm editing it. And it was a Samsung phone too. Like oh, yeah. you had a dock and everything. And then you did like a video of like, literally your computer was a phone. You could put it in a dock. You could edit the entire podcast from within this instance. And I was like, whoa, like I don't even need my computer. I can just throw this on an iPad or a phone or something like that. Um, to see that that kind of scale out across instances. I just got a question the other day, like what are these GPU instances for? Can you answer that? Like, Yeah. So our customers use GPU instances to do a lot of different kinds of things. They, they certainly use them for graphical rendering, which I think was the original intent when, when GPUs right. were invented. But they're, they're also used very, very widely for machine learning training because machine learning training at its heart, it, it sounds very esoteric and scientific and 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 so forth at its heart it's it's a bunch of multiplications and additions and the more quickly you can do those and the more of those you can do in parallel the, the more quickly you can you can actually build your your training networks so so certainly ml training is, is a huge use case for gpus there, there's a lot of specialized compute code for doing different kinds of analytics that runs runs best on gpus as well should we fit in blockchain somewhere in here? I feel like we should. That's just... Go for it. <laughs> no, I um, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on. I think you're incredible. Thank you so much for everything you've done for the AWS community. Um, where can people find you online? Your Twitter handle is pretty straightforward. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jeff Barr on Twitter. I'm, I'm often on Reddit. I'm sometimes on Hacker News. Um, I, I don't tend to hang out on the original AWS forums anymore, but there, there's plenty. Of, and I'm, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Amazing. Well, well, thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. Super appreciate you coming on. This was great. Sure thing. Sure. This has been fun. Thank you both.